Good morning. The scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 6 to 18. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has an, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be here with you all again. Uh, it is a joy. Thank you, Pastor Duke, for the introduction, and uh, thank you, you all, for the invite. It's good to be here. Um, so I actually forgot to text uh, y'all and tell y'all I'm only going to preach uh, verses 6 through 10. I was sitting down writing this, and I was like, Cyril, it's going to be back to back. So I just deleted all the, like, I deleted half the sermon, so. <laughs> So you all are welcome. It would have been, it's now 27 minutes. It would have been probably 40 something. Um, but uh, so our, our, our time today is titled The Coming Feast. The Coming Feast. <clears throat> I'll pray for us and we'll dive in. 
Lord, thank you for this time where we could come before you and we can worship you. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us now. Lord, I ask that you would fill this place with the power of your spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill me. Lord, that I might preach your glorious word. Lord, I really do need you. Lord, I pray that you would open the hearts of your hearers. Lord, that, that, that they might rejoice in the midst of weariness. Lord, that, the, that we might know you in your coming joy. Lord, we praise you for what you're about to do. We praise you that you're about to meet with us through your word. Lord, I pray that if anything comes out of my mouth that is not of you, I pray we wither away and be forgotten forever. Lord, and if anything comes out of my mouth that is of you, I pray it would stick and be remembered and that it would yield fruit into eternity. Lord, we love you. Amen. Amen. All right. So again, like I said, we've, we've been talking about the uh, coming reunion. We've talked about the coming victory. We've talked about the coming judgment. This morning, we're going to talk about the coming feast. And anyone who knows me knows I love a good dinner party. I love the good food and drinks. I love the warm company. I love the laughs and jokes. If y'all know me, I laugh way too hard. I like to laugh from my gut. I love the dancing. I will be on the dance floor all by myself. And most of all, I love that it is a time where we can come together and celebrate something amazing that is happening or celebrate an amazing person. And the only thing on the agenda for the night is to rejoice. Some of the most glorious and expensive parties I've been to are wedding receptions. I know that many of us might have been to wedding receptions for our friends or families, or maybe, you know, we have had our own wedding reception, and maybe it was, you know, you have memories from it. I know from mine, a lot of it was a blur because everything was happening so fast. Selfies were happening all throughout the night, and just, it was all a blur. But, you know, I actually have a lot of memories from my own reception. Uh, I love the people at wedding receptions. And for my own wedding reception, there are people who are coming from all over. There's people who drove down from Virginia to Jackson, Mississippi to be there to party with us because of the marriage. I'm gonna have best friends and family and friends and old friends and new friends who came to celebrate. Uh, at wedding receptions, I love the food. Uh, I can barely remember the food at my wedding because I didn't eat much of it. Everything was moving so fast. Apparently, people tell me the food was good. <laughs> I'm still finding out things that were actually at my wedding that we had there. <laughs> uh, but, the, but I love the food. And at other people's wedding receptions where I can actually eat, I've experienced some I mean, of the most delicious and luxurious food. I love the dance floor. Y'all, I'm gonna tell y'all, at my wedding, the dance floor was ridiculous. I just really stopped and realized, you know what? My, all my friends love to dance. Uh, there was at one point where I walked in and everybody was like jumping up and down and sweating and everyone's clothes were wet. And I was like, where am I? <laughs> am I still at my wedding? What is going on? Um, <laughs> uh, and I love the celebration that, they, they, you know what? We're gonna celebrate because something amazing has happened. And most of all, I love what we're celebrating. We're celebrating God joining two people together forever. 
And we are celebrating not only two people coming together, but two families. There's new friends, new relationships that are forming on the dance floor. Marrying Janelle was one of the most happiest days of my life. Uh, I love dinner parties, but you know what is one of the most difficult things about dinner parties? Is that they're not perfect. And I feel like whenever I go to a party, I'm like, please let it be perfect. And I have all these hopes and expectations, and sometimes they're, they're just not. Sometimes the company is hard to bear. There's often drama. I know for many of us, maybe at your wedding reception, you're like, I want this thing to end because people are getting on my nerves. <laughs> sometimes the food runs out or sometimes the chicken at the wedding reception is dry. <laughs> and you walk away from the wedding reception hungry. Uh, sometimes the dancing and the laughter are hard to come by. Sometimes you really, we were just way too self-conscious or uncomfortable around the people uh, we're around in order to express our joy. Sometimes we really don't even like the host. We don't even like the person the party's being thrown for, but we're there because we feel like we have to or we feel like we're going out of obligation. And you know what's one of the most sad things about parties and just any great moment is that they end. Do y'all do this? Like you're, you, you like realize you're having a great moment and then you instantly get sad because you realize the moment won't happen forever? I try not to do that on vacation. I'm like, I'm having a great time, but it's gonna end, right? That's what it's like at a party. This is awesome, but I gotta go home. <laughs> Parties are not eternal here on this side of glory. Now, don't get me wrong, a good party will put wind in your sails. You, you could come back beaming with energy but at the end of the day, we go back to being weary in a weary world. We get weary and then we have a great moment of celebration and then back to weariness. And the parties on this side of glory can never meet the expectations that we put on them. And I think this is partly why drug abuse oftentimes comes with parties. We're trying to find a way to make the company enjoyable, the food great, we're trying to find a way to make the dancing and laughter carefree, and we're trying to find an empty way to forget that there's always an end to beautiful moments. I don't know about y'all, but I want a feast that is perfectly enjoyable, that is drama-free, with mind-blowing food, carefree dancing, gut-wrenching laughter, and no end time. I want a feast with a perfect host who is perfectly uh, easy to celebrate and I want a party that keeps going and going and then when it ends I want there to be an after party and y'all Jesus is hosting such a party for us he has a party for his plan and that's partly what we celebrate during Advent the coming feast so y'all the main point for our time today this is the whole sermon if, if, if you had got this point you got the whole sermon Jesus has invited us to his wedding reception so remain faithful. Jesus has invited us to his wedding reception. So remain faithful. So if we actually look at the text in verses 6 through 10, uh, the angel announces that there is a reason to celebrate because a wedding reception is coming like one you have never seen. So let's look at the different pieces of this wedding reception. So first of all, we see in the text in verse 7 that there's an MC. The hype man for the wedding reception is an angel. And this angel gets on the mic and he says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. The occasion for joy is a marriage that is happening. 
So why, why are we to rejoice about this wedding reception? There's several things about the reception that are cause for rejoicing. Number one, there's a groom. The groom gives us joy. You see, the, the groom is the host of the wedding party, and Revelation tells us that the groom is a lamb. Now, you might be thinking, what's going on here? A groom, that's a lamb. Revelation does weird stuff like that, like it mixes like three or four different images at once at the same time. But in the Old Testament, a spotless lamb was often killed in order to uh, be a sacrifice for those who deserve to be killed so that they might be delivered from God's wrath. It was a lamb of atonement, meaning it was a reparation for wrongs committed against God. Revelation uses lamb imagery to refer to Jesus. So this lamb groom is none other than Jesus himself, and he is there at the wedding party, and guess what? This lamb has made the wedding feast possible. He has made it possible because of his role as the sacrificial lamb. He has died to make reparations so that this party can happen. Who has he died for? He has died for the bride. So the bride is the other reason to rejoice. And so bride imagery in the Bible is often used to describe uh, God's people, the church. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, this bride was unfit for marriage to God because she was sexually immoral and she was immature. But Jesus, by the power of his sacrificial death, has made this bride ready for marriage. He has given her the power to make herself ready. The, the scripture in verse 7 says, the bride has made herself ready. How has she made herself ready? The text tells us that there's a wedding dress. It tells us that this wedding dress is fine linen, bright and clean. Bright and clean, it means that there, there, there's an aura, there's a shine, that this bride is, is, is glorious. And oftentimes this fine linen was made from Egyptian flax. And, and imagine like expensive, luxu expensive, luxurious dress. And oftentimes Revelation gives us a little hint. It helps us out and interprets the imagery for us. Revelation says the uh, dress, is, or the fine linens, is the righteous acts of the saints. The text tells us that the righteous acts of the saints were given, means it's passive, they were given to us. And we can only assume that the person who gave them to us is the lamb. Jesus, by his death on the cross, has actually given us the power to clothe ourselves in righteousness. Not only is there a wedding dress, but there's an invite list. The angel MC declares in verse 9 that blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. So the passage here, you're not like, okay, who are the, invite in the invitees? Did I say that right? Invitees? But uh, the, the, like, like I said, Revelation mixes imagery a lot. So not only is the bride the church, but the people, the guests are the church. We are invited to celebrate with Jesus. But not only that, there's an invite. The gospel, the good news, is itself an invitation to a feast. Oftentimes, over and over again in the Bible, it describes God's kingdom like a feast. And the gospel is inviting us to come party with God. So y'all, we see in this passage, the people are amazing. The food is literally glorious. I don't know if there's a dance floor there, <laughs> but everyone is out of their minds with joy. Uh, and last but not least, the occasion for celebration is breathtaking. 
God himself has brought his people from persecution, suffering, sin, and struggle to a weighty glory in union with himself. I don't know about y'all, but I want to be at this party. And this party is going to happen at the second coming of Jesus, the second advent of Jesus. And y'all, this might sound like a fairy tale, but the party is real. It's going to happen on this earth, but newly renovated and infinitely better. This party is real. This party is perfect. And this party is God's party. And you are invited. Y'all, the beautiful thing about this party is that the company is perfect. There is no more drama or toxic relationships there because everyone is clothed with the righteous deeds of the saints. In this party, there's no slander because we are too busy praising God and expressing our unspeakable joy. In this party, the food is perfect. Isaiah 25 tells us that there will be no more hunger because it, there will be rich food there full of marrow and that the, the well-aged wine will never run out. The dancing is perfect because in this party, every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. There's no more sadness. There's nothing even to be sad about anymore. In this party, there's no more fear or anxiety because there's no danger coming to you. And there's no more tragedy that can ever befall you. In this party, there's no more exhaustion or sleep or fatigue or weariness, uh, partly because there is no nighttime. God himself will be the light. And the host is perfect. The book of Revelation tells us that there will be no more loneliness because we will be perfectly united with God and in perfect harmony with God's people. There will be no more longing for God or wondering where God is because he will be right there. And you will be able to party with him face to face and celebrate with him bodily. In this party, there will be no more injustice because the king of justice himself is the host. The length of the party is perfect. There's no fear that this party will ever disappoint us. And there's no grieving that the party will be over because it happens in eternity. I don't know what eternity is like, but I imagine that this party never ends. And maybe if it does end, there will always be an after party. Like we talked about last week with Pastor Glenn, the coming judgment guarantees that nothing can ever ruin this party. There will be no more being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Weary saints, Grace Meridian Hill, maybe if you're here, maybe, maybe you're thinking about giving up on Jesus. Maybe you're like, you know what? Things are too weary. Things are too crazy right now for me to even worry about Jesus and his church. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to make it. I'm just trying to push through. Maybe you're even thinking about giving up on the Lord because of the despair that you are feeling in your walk. This passage gives us hope. Let the hope of this coming feast put wind in your sails in the here and now. The joy of this coming feast is supposed to bleed into our present moment. So what do we do with this? Christian, we're supposed to let this coming feast motivate us to remain faithful to Jesus, even though it is hard. We are to remain faithful. This is the whole point of the book of Revelation. 
The book gives us a glimpse of the future and says, I know that life is hard right now. I know that being a Christian is hard. I know that the world is pressing in around you, but keep going because your labor is not in vain. Keep dressing yourself with the righteous deed of the saints. Keep pressing forward into good works and worship and, 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 and following Jesus. And we don't have to wait. We, we, we do it right here, right now. In those moments when you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, we have to tangibly remind ourselves of the coming feast. We have to find ways to do it. So what other better practical way to remind ourselves of the coming feast is than to have feasts, to throw good parties. So, you know, th you know, I challenge us, I dare us, and I'm daring myself as I was writing this, I was like, ooh, I need to throw more parties. But <laughs> to host parties, we don't have to wait for the next birthday, the gr next graduation, the next whatever. We, like, we have reasons to celebrate because Jesus is good, Jesus is real, and Jesus has redeemed us. We don't need any other reason to throw a party. I challenge us maybe to host a good party twice a year. And maybe just invite people that uh, we work with, our non-Christian co-workers, our non-Christian friends. Invite your neighbors. And, and when they gather, tell them, you know what? I'm hosting this party because I have a reason to celebrate. There's a coming feast that is happening. And my Lord Jesus is going to party with me in the future. And so I party and celebrate him right here, right now. And this is a beautiful way to do evangelism. You know, we're so intimidated by evangelism oftentimes. What if like sharing the gospel was uh, what happened in the context of throwing a party? You threw a party and you say, hey, you know why I'm throwing a party? Because Jesus is inviting all of us to a party. And this, this Jesus is good and he is inviting us to have joy and to rejoice and celebrate with him. Like I said, as I say this, I'm feeling challenged. Even with, with RUF, the whole semester passed by, and I was like, wait, hold up. I haven't hosted any parties at my house for students. And so we like threw one together at the end of the semester, and I was like, oh man, we should have been doing this all semester. But I know if you're like me, your lives are busy. And you, you are grinding, maybe taking care of kids, you're busy with work, and really part of it is you're legitimately busy, but if you're like me, you're just really trying to like do more and be, do the bigger and better and next thing, and grind, 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 grind. And we don't leave margins in our life to actually stop and feast. Like, you know, I'm working on this, but I actually literally eat to live. I actually, most days I'm irritated that I have to eat three meals a day. Because <laughs> I don't put margin in my life to sit and actually enjoy a meal with people and actually intentionally celebrate. What if we did that as a way to remind us of how good Jesus is and how a feast is coming? So you might be thinking, you know what, preacher, I'm just too weary. I have no energy. I have no gas left in my tank to be thinking about remaining faithful to Jesus, much less be thinking about hosting parties. <laughs> You're thinking, you know what, I don't even care that I'm invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Maybe it feels too far away. It feels too abstract. It feels too unreal. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you have Jesus, he gives you a taste of the future joy right here, right now. And he himself is the strength that you need to keep going and to remain faithful to get to this feast. I imagine that if we were uh, 
in this future feast and we were sitting at the table and we're looking around the, the you know, the, the table and we're looking around on the dance floor, I imagine we might see Adam and Eve. And I wonder what they would say if I asked them, you know, how were you strengthened to remain faithful for the coming party? You see, Adam and Eve were, I imagine, weary from their own sin. They had just sinned against God and ruined the whole world. And they were trying to make clothes out of fig leaves to cover their own shame. But Jesus at the dinner party of Eden gave Adam and Eve clothes to cover their shame. He gave them animal skins. But Jesus brings you something better than animal skins right here and right now. Jesus, if you have Jesus, you are actually starting to put on the fine linen that the bride will wear at this future party. Jesus brings you his very own righteousness to wear. Jesus is the fine linens, the righteous deeds that you need to put on in order to get to the party. I imagine if I leaned over at this future party and asked Moses how he was strengthened, he would talk about Israel and his journey throughout the wilderness. Israel was a newly formed people about to start a weary journey with God. But Exodus 24 tells us that Jesus, their Redeemer, invited Moses, the priests, and the elders to a dinner party on Mount Sinai. And they ate and drank with God on the mountain. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus brings you something right here, right now, uh, uh, better than his presence on Mount Sinai. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, no, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Literally right here, right now, as we are assembled, those in heaven are assembled and they are celebrating Jesus with us. Jesus gives you a taste of his hospitable presence right here, right now. He is your host. Imagine if I could uh, tap King David on the, soldier, the, the shoulder in this future feast, he would tell me how he was strengthened to make it. He was weary from having the Ark of the Covenant away from Jerusalem and therefore the presence of God away from Jerusalem. And as he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, the Bible tells us that David got so happy that David danced before the Lord with all his might. But you see, Jesus brings us something better than the Ark of the Covenant. He brings you to the heavenly throne of grace itself by the power of his spilled blood. And how much more should we dance before the throne room of Jesus? Jesus himself is our dance floor right here, right now. Imagine if we can, you know, talk to Mary at this future party and ask how she was strengthened to make it. She will talk to us about the wedding of Cana. How she was worried that the wine would run out and everyone would see that the people who hosted this party couldn't pay the bill. But Jesus covered the cost and paid the bill. He turned water into wine and brought enough wine to keep the party going and going and going. But you see, Jesus brings something better than paid bills. I know that many of us, uh, if, if you're like me, we, we went into credit card, more credit card debt to pay for our receptions. But Jesus himself doesn't make us do that with the wedding feast of the Lamb. He paid the bill for the heavenly reception, not with silver or gold, but with his very own precious blood. Jesus is the redeeming power of the future feast, but you have him right here and right now. Imagine at this future party, if I could go up to the disciples and ask them how they were strengthened to make it, they would tell us about the night before Jesus died. They would tell us how they didn't even know it, but they were getting ready to enter into a time of weary tribulation. 
because their savior will be captured and murdered. But Jesus had a last meal with them and told them to eat bread to remember his broken body and drink wine to remember his spilled blood. And y'all, Jesus brings us something better than the Passover meal that he ate with the disciples on that night because they were looking forward to Jesus' death in anticipation of it. But right here, right now, as we're about to partake in the Lord's Supper, we're looking back and remembering Jesus' death in his broken body and spilled blood. And this meal that we're about to partake in reminds us of the future heavenly feast that we are going to have with Jesus. Jesus gives himself in the Lord's Supper, or gives us a taste of himself in the Lord's Supper right here and right now. Family, I know we are weary. I know we are tired. I know that we need to rejoice and celebrate, and Jesus himself is the reason. And he is going to strengthen you to remain faithful. In the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3, which is basically the whole summary of the book, Jesus sends letters to each church, and he has a message for them to encourage them. You know, and I imagine if he could write one to, uh, to us, he would tell John, write a letter to the angel of the church of Grace Meridian Hill, and tell them that although they are weary, although they are tired, there is a coming feast. And those who conquer and overcome, I will dine with them. I will dance with them. I will feast with them. I will wipe away every tear from their eyes at, at this feast. And he tells us that those who conquer, those who persevere, those who remain faithful will be with him. Those who have ears, let them hear. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the fact that you are hosting a feast for us. For the fact that you, Jesus, are the one who is helping us to remain faithful, to make it to that feast. Lord, by the power of your spirit, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would give us joy, that we would see in this Advent season, we have every reason to rejoice in a weary world. Lord, I pray that uh, we would look forward to this feast, that it would actually shape and govern and compel us in the here and now. It would shape the way we live. It would shape the way we think. It would shape the way we move. It would shape the way we engage our relationships. God, I pray that it would shape the culture of our families. It would shape the culture of our churches. It would shape the culture of the, of, of the way that we embody ourselves in our workplaces. Lord, I pray that this coming feast would be our, our end game, our end goal. But we can feast with you in person, face to face. So Lord, I pray that, um, as the angel said, said then, uh, I pray that we would receive the same word now. Rejoice and celebrate. Lord, we love you. Amen.